does, doesn't it? Welcome Parkview, welcome all of our campuses, glad to have you guys here. Welcome online. I, I went to Parkview online last week. I was on the road. I was driving. It was really fun. If you're driving, uh, make sure that, you know, you don't get in an accident. Hi, welcome. We're, we're really glad to have you here. We're talking about the mouth because somebody said the best way to save face is to keep the lower part shut. Okay. Um, and, and we could probably all use a little help with that. The, the Bible says it this way. The tongue has the power of life and death. We want to help you with the stuff that is practical, okay? That's what Jesus did. He, you know, he took, he took the Bible and he made it practical. That's what his teaching was all about. It was about how can we help you live the, the life that you should live and that you want to live. And it's not about working my way to heaven. It's not about becoming good enough that God will like me. It's about living a life that you need to live because it's the best life, okay? I don't know about you. My big fat mouth is probably... Number one, when it comes to getting me in trouble, you know, get, make, taking me to the places that I don't want it to do. I'm really good at it, so let's fix it. I was on a, I was on a plane recently. I hate flying. I hate being on planes. I hate being crowded on planes. And, and it was a two-seater on both sides, and, and it was like not Southwest. It was like assigned seats, and so I'm on, somehow I got on the inside. I never do that because I always have to go to the bathroom. We know that's going to happen. Even if I'm flying to St. Louis, I'm going to have to, you know, do it. So, so I'm on the inside. The guy's next to me. So I'm doing the thing, you know. I'm that guy. I'm doing the thing. I'm like looking around, seeing if there are any empty seats. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna move. Uh, and 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 the attendant, flight attendant was like, oh, uh, "Sir, there's plenty of seats in the back. Just wait till we take off and you go sit wherever you want." I'm like, "Okay, cool." So we take off. We're like five feet off the ground, you know. I'm like, "Okay, here we go." And and, and I, and I, I turn to the guy next to me. I'm like, I, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back there and spread out, and, unless you're going to, um, you know, because I didn't want to have him to have to get up." What I was saying was. I don't know you, I don't like you, I don't care about you, I don't want to sit by you. Um, I mean, he, he didn't take it badly. I mean, we, everybody gets, you know, it's kind of like an elevator. You just find your space and you, you, you deal with it. And so I, I said, you know, unless you're going to. And he said, oh, no, I don't ever, I don't ever move seats because um, they wouldn't be able to identify my body if we went down. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to do it. They, they wouldn't be able to identify my body. I'm, I'm like okay, I'm trying not to smile. I, I have no idea, you know, what, what in the world he's talking about, but, but I'm like, uh, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it. And it be, because the truth of the matter is, I don't care what they find of me after we crash. What I want to concentrate on is not going down. Are you with me? I want to figure out how to not go down. That's what it is. And a lot of it has to do with my stupid mouth. The statistics, on average, you have 30 conversations a day. 30 conversations a day. Like one-fifth of your life, you spend talking. Do you realize that? If you could write them out in books, you would, you, the, the, the words that you say would take 66 books at 800 pages every year. 66 books at 800 pages a year. That's a lot of places, a lot of chances to get messed up, a lot of places for my big fat mouth to take me down, and that's what I don't want to do. Here's another fun fact. Did you know that the average male tongue is 70 grams in weight, and the average female tongue is only 60 grams in weight? That answers everything, doesn't it? That's why they talk so much more, because it's lighter. It's easier to move around. I mean, it explains everything. 
Uh, a man, I mean, this is statistics. A man speaks 15 to 20,000 words a day, and a woman speaks 25 to 30,000 words a day. A third more, possibly. They asked one guy, are you mad that your wife always gets the last word? He said, no, I'm just glad when she finally gets there. Okay, that, that's all I... And, and I, know, I know that's a stereotype. It is a statistic that's actually the opposite of what's true in my house. In my house, I talk more than my wife does. I'm the one with a big fat mouth. Surprise, right? But the problem is not how much we communicate. The problem is about how we communicate and what we do. That's what takes us down. Proverbs 6.16 says there are seven things that God hates, and three are about the mouth. Okay? It's that much. It's that big of a problem. So be back next week. We're going to talk about anger, criticism. I know you don't have a problem with that, but make sure the people in your family that do are here, bring them along, okay? And we're going to talk about it. And we've been doing a fun song every week, you know, something, something you know. Um, I'm not going to ruin it for next week. Uh, it'll be something you know. Um, my request is probably one you won't know unless you're an old John Mayer fan like I am, but it is a classic Big Fat Mouth song. Here you go. So call me Captain Backfire. Raise your hand, Captain Backfire, all of our campuses. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So here's the deal. When you go to the doctor and, and you're sick, he says, stick out your tongue, right? First thing he tells you, stick out your tongue. He wants to look in. And ironically, it's the same thing with what goes on in our speech. Ironically, Jesus says the same thing. He says, your tongue reveals what's going on on the inside. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is explaining the Freudian slip before Freud ever existed, right? What comes out of you, what's inside of you, is what's going to come out of you. That's what Jesus is saying. So, so obviously, this is where the problem starts. If you've got a problem with what's coming out, with our tongue, with our communication, it, it means we have a heart problem. But there's a flip side to this as well. This is how I want you to understand this. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a lot about the tongue later on in his letter in the New Testament. And he said it can also go the other way. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, uh, that's not possible. But as that happens, you get it, he is a mature man able to keep his whole body in check. What? Well, listen. When we put biz, bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we could turn the whole animal. Think about, think about a horse race. Think about, you know, you've got this giant horse, strong, fast racehorse. You find the smallest, I mean, they have the smallest person that they can put on there. That's what jockeys, they, they don't want any extra weight. And that small jockey can pull one rein a little bit one way or another, and that entire horse will turn direction, Right? Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder where the pilot wants it to go. All right, you get in the picture? So Jesus says what's inside is going to come out. But James says if we can control what's coming out, it's actually going to steer the direction of everything else. Like a rudder on a ship, like a jockey on a horse. So the, in other words, the Bible is telling us that our mouths are an extension of the quality of our hearts, but also that our mouths can be used to enhance the quality of our hearts. Uh, let me say it this way. The mouth is more than evidence of spiritual maturity. It is a means to spiritual maturity. 
As we learn to control this little thing, as we learn to bring it under the, 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 the holiness of God, bring it under the things that we know that God wants us to do. We talked about complaining. We're going to talk about anger and criticism. We, we talked about, you know, we talked talking about this today, about how, how easy it is for us to boast, okay? We can control how our entire ship goes if we can control the things that are coming out. And you know this is true if you know anything about recovery. I won't ask for a show of hands, all of you who are listening, but those of you who are in a recovery program of some kind, you're usually in it for the rest of your life. That's the way that it needs to be. And it starts with you introducing yourself and saying, hi, my name is John Smith, and verbalizing, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a whatever it is, whatever the recovery group is. The very first thing you have to do is verbalize the truth. Because if you can't verbalize it, who knows if it's going to go on in here. And as you verbalize it, you start to guide the ship. You see, when you verbalize something negatively, you're going to feel negatively. When you verbalize something positively, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, your body is going to go in a positive attitude. It's going to go in a different place, whether you feel like it or not. Marriage problems? How do you, how do you make it better? You could start by saying three magic words, Right? Let's eat out. It's that simple. <laughs> Changes the trajectory of everything right there, right? No, you know what I mean. I love you. Uh, you know, I am sorry. You look nice. Mom's not coming. Wh whatever, whatever it is. I mean, you, with three little words, you can change the trajectory of your whole day, of your whole evening, of maybe the whole journey of your marriage. Just like that, it steers the ship. Therefore... Paul wrote, encourage one another and build one another up. So, th so that's, what, that's what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We're going we're gonna to steer this ship. And, and I'll, I'll come back to James in a minute because he really does a great job with this. But here's the question I've been wrestling with. And I'm going to tell you today, I'm preaching to myself. Okay? Every once in a while, I preach to you. But, but sometimes I just need to wrestle with something. So what I've been doing this week is wrestling with this issue of boasting and pride. And how does it work? Because I know I have a problem with it. You may not, but I know that I do. And, and the problem is so much of our communication, it has little to do with our tongue anymore, right? It has to do with our fingers. And everything has changed so much. I mean, you know, I don't talk nearly as much unless I'm, you know, talking into Siri or, or, you know, dictating something into my computer. And one of the problems with communication in my big fat mouth is, is this one. But as it applies to the 21st century to 2018, it's really different to think about. Pastor Jason at our Homer Glen campus sent me this. So somebody put the seven deadly sins into digital categories. Check this out. It's hilarious. Lust, tender. Yeah. Gluttony, Yelp, got to find a place to eat. Greed, LinkedIn, I need a new job. I want my business contacts, right? Sloth, obviously, Netflix. Wrath is Twitter because that's where everybody, you know, yells at every, about everything. Envy is Facebook because I'm looking at your stuff thinking, man, I wish I had it. And pride is Instagram. Did you see my selfie? Isn't that great? I mean, it, you could take some different platforms and go a couple of different ways. And then the thing is, there's nothing wrong with any of this, but how do we deal with the world that we're in now when communication is just drastically different? You know, 20 years ago, I couldn't just throw something out there and have everybody in the world know that it was there. I don't spend much time on social media. Honestly, I'm one of those guys that probably ought to do more, okay? But the problem is, 
I don't care what time you got up to work out. I'm sorry, I just don't. You don't know how many times I got up to go to the bathroom. So I slept later than you. I, I, it's not my, you had a sandwich for lunch? Oh, that's awesome. I never would have thought, I'm sorry. I just, I just it, you know, I got other things to do. It's social media, it, it's not right or wrong. It's just what we do with it that makes it right or wrong, which is exactly like the seven deadly sins, okay? You got gluttony, okay? It's harmful. Starving yourself, also harmful. Somewhere in the middle, we need to eat, okay? There's a, health, there's a healthy place. You, you talk about, um, you know, rest, for example, commanded by God, one of the Ten Commandments. But when it turns into sloth, it, it becomes something bad. Pride, boasting. And pride is good. When does it turn to boasting? Pride is good. I need to have pride in what I do. It's okay to share the things that I do with other people. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a, there's a thin line where it turns to boasting. And then when it goes from boasting, it goes into a deep level of pride that gets us in trouble. And it's a fine little journey. It's one little line that you step over. Social media is exactly that same thing. When I get closer to public publication on the book that I'm writing right now. It'll be a year from now. My, my publisher's already told me, you've got to work on your platform. You need to get more followers, some, get more interaction. So you might as well start following me now because I'm going to have to start bugging you at some point. And, and I, I know this already. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about it. I don't look at, I don't even know how many I have. I don't care. But what I do know is I'm not spending the time to write this book that I think God gave me this message that I want to have a lot of people read. I'm not spending the time so nobody reads it. So I have to figure out how to do the platform thing. And my platform will let me reach more people with the message that God gives me. So I need to post things. And I need to cross-pollinate with people, which is a great way to expand, you know, your followers and that kind of stuff. So, so what do I do? If, I, if I'm doing something that m people might find interesting, do I post it? Do I take a selfie? Or is that boasting? This is not a hypothetical question. I don't know. I don't always know what to do. I was in Nashville this week. I, mean, I, I preached at chapel at Dave Ramsey's company. My son-in-law works there. I do it twice a year. They have a huge platform. If I, if I interact with that platform, that may make my platform bigger, which should be a good thing at the end. I had coffee with two pastors who have bigger platforms than I do in Nashville. Do I walk, you know, and we say, hey, let's pray for each other. Oh, yeah, and let's take a selfie and post it so that hopefully they'll take a selfie. They'll post it also and talk about me, and maybe some of their followers will follow me. I don't know. I had, I had lunch with a, a literal rock star this week in Nashville. Obviously, I posted that because that's just a no-brainer, right? This is my picture with Head from Corn. I mean, he's become a really good friend of mine. He's a bass player for Corn. For and the reason I posted this picture is, see, th now this could still be boasting, but I have an excuse, so it seems okay. Because if you go back to this next picture, that is Head praying over Charlie in the womb, okay? Um, so I, I just thought the contrast was really, really fun. And if you ask me, why is head. It looks like he's on stage because you got a mic on and he's praying over Rachel's unborn baby, which is Charlie. And, and I'm going to tell you, but it's still not going to make any sense because it was one of those moments where I went off script and I was at this convention that I was leading, this conference, and, and head had spoken. And Rachel was, that's my daughter, Rachel. She was leading worship. And I asked head 
to exercise the British rock demons out of Charlie. <laughs> that, that's what he was doing. I don't really like the Beatles, the Stones. I'm not, I'm not really into that. And I figured if, you know, if Head was doing it, it would be fun. And, and, and you know, her husband's from England. So that, that's all that was going on in my head. This is why I take Adderall. I just want you to understand. <laughs> but it made for a great post, okay? It was, really, it was really a great post. And now I got to do it again. So, yay, there's me with a rock star. And he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. So how do you manage this? Basically, I just want to post pictures of my grandkids because they're adorable. And honestly, it seems to be the most popular thing anyway. I was going to post something for an author friend of mine this week, and uh, my communications guru said, hang on a second, let's do it a little bit later. Georgie's birthday, his first birthday, has got a lot of traction, a lot of people following it right now. I mean, how can it not? Look, look at this guy. I mean, how do you not want to? That's what, that's what social media is meant for, right? My grandson. But, but there's, there's this balance thing I'm trying to figure out. Again, this is not for you. This is just me. I hope you're having a good day, okay? Here's what I'm trying to say. The Bible says, on one side, Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. I mean, how do you do any social media with that scripture, right? I mean, we post stuff that's good, right? Practicing your righteousness? I don't know. If I'm working out, if I, I mean, what is it I'm supposed to do? But on the other side, he says, let your light shine before men so they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How do you balance between don't put it out there and make yourself look good, but at the same time, you need to shine a light? That's, that's my question. I've quoted this stat before. Time Magazine asked, uh, you know, do you think other people's social media makes them look better than they really are? And the answer is, duh. Right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, look at the bags under my eyes. Click. Right? Okay, so no, of course it does. People were fair in this, and they said 76% of them said they think other people's posts make them look better than they actually are. Then they turned the question around, and they said, what about you? And only 22% said, I think mine looks better than I really am, right? Because we can't judge that. We can't see that. But James says we can control it. We can control it like a, a, a bit in a horse's mouth, like a rudder on a ship. We can control it. He goes on. And says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. And here's what got me this week. But it makes great boasts. Okay? And for some reason, he pulled that one out. I mean, we, we talk about all the things that, that the tongue does. We can talk about all the different ways that, that our tongue guides us in different directions. But he picks this one out. It makes great boasts. And then he says, let me give you one more analogy. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And that's what caught me this week, really made me think about this and how I need to preach this to myself. A small spark gets out of the fire pit and and see what happens. How does it happen? Well, I think it starts with, did you see my selfie? And then it crosses the line into boasting, which leads to the next part of the line crossing over, which is that unhealthy level of pride. Very quickly, if you aren't careful. And pride is probably the most dangerous of all of the sins. Just so you know, it's how we got the history of evil in the world in the first place. I'll give you my version of it. 
Evil in the world comes from Satan. Satan was once Lucifer, the archangel of God. He was once on the good team. He was once a good guy. I'll give you my version of how I think Lucifer went down. He was posting selfies one day, you know, on, on whatever it is they have up there. And, 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 and some of the angels, some of the angels were, were like, dude, you're looking pretty fly for an angel guy. And he started thinking, yeah, I, yeah, I do look pretty good. He started posting more and more, and he started getting more and more followers, okay? Really, literally, this is what the Bible tells us. At one point, Lucifer gets one-third of the angels as followers. I mean, that's a lot of followers, That'd be like two billion, two and a half billion people today, right? I mean, he's got a lot of followers behind him, and something changes. We we don't have much of this story, but something changes inside of him from, from being an archangel that wants to serve God to deciding he's going to step over the line and lead a revolt against the king of heaven, against God himself. Isaiah the prophet prophesies against the king of Babylon, and he uses this figurative analogy about Lucifer to the king of Babylon. This will help explain it. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I emphasized them so you noticed. I I. It's all about me. It's all about my, right? That's it. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt. I will. Five times he says, I will. Somewhere along the line, he went from posting selfies and getting followers to deciding he had enough followers, and it went to his head. In in business, they call it the hubris of success, Jim Collins calls it. It went to his head, and he stepped over the line thinking, I've got this. I'm in charge. I don't need God anymore. I don't need other people. I know what I'm doing. I got it. Well, the problem was Lucy, Lucifer was, you know, good at getting followers, but bad at math, because I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you only have one-third, that means there's two-thirds that are still left, besides the fact that these are created beings by God. If, if Lucifer could have gotten all the angels to follow him in a, result, in a revolt, God still would have said, nice try, Lucy, and you're out of here. Cast him out of heaven, and all the rest of them too. And he just created some more. As it was, a third of the angels became the followers of Lucifer. God kicked them all out of his presence, all out of the presence of God, which is hell. Okay, people ask me, you know, what is hell going to be like? It's going to be fire. It's going to be. Hell is outside the presence of God. Nothing, nothing else is really going to matter. Literal, figurative, whatever it is, outside the presence of God. And it's a very bad place to be. Well, and for some reason, when God decided to create his own children and put them here on the earth, he allowed us freedom of choice because he loves us and he wants us to love him back. That's why he gave us freedom of choice. And Satan had the ability to come along, even though he's been cast out of the presence of God, he has the ability to be in the world that we are in. And he went to Adam and Eve and he thought, you know what? I'm not going to be cast out of the presence of God forever by myself. I'm going to see if I can get these new children that God just created to follow me too. And he went to them, and here's the words of Satan in Genesis 3. 
eat the apple, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Just step across that line. You don't need that anymore. You're all good. You can eat the fruit and know good and evil and be like God. And they ate it, and we live here now. It's not hell, but it's Illinois. <laughs> We're closer than a lot of people, okay? That's all, that's all I'm saying. And at that day when God says it's all over, everybody's made their choice, it's all over, those of us that have chosen to follow him are going to go be with him and be outside the presence of Lucifer forever in a place that's perfect. And the people that decided to follow Lucifer are going to be permanently cast out of the presence of God. And it started with stepping over the line from boasting into pride to thinking that I can do this on my own. And we can control that with this little thing in here. We can control it by controlling the things that are coming out of us. The danger with my big fat mouth or fingers as it might be really happens when I start to believe my own press. That's when it happens. When I start to think that because I've got enough followers, because people think this is awesome, because whatever, 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 that I really am that good. I think about all the fallen leaders in the Bible. So many of them started their fall exactly the same way. Started as boasting, turned into pride, and all of a sudden they started thinking that God's ways weren't that important. They could do it their own way. I've had... So many conversations in the last several weeks with other pastors about fallen leaders. I mean, fallen pastors, fallen political leaders, whatever it is. And the conversation's always the same. How, how can we keep that from happening to us? And what was the problem? What is the problem? And, and it always comes back to this issue. It, it always comes back to at some point, if it's a fallen leader, they've stepped across a line. They've stepped across a line to think that, that, that the way they do it, they, they're still following God, but the way they do it is the right way and nobody else gets to speak into it. They've stepped across the line of hubris. And it's so easy for us to do because I do it all the time. And the more people tell you you're awesome, the more you feel awesome. And the more you feel awesome, the easier it is for Satan to go, why don't you just go ahead and take this one extra step? And the problem is when we start believing our own press. Likewise, James goes on and says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. He goes on and he says, it corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. You heard the expression, all hell broke loose. It usually starts with something that's happening right here, right? It usually starts right here. It starts with our mouth. It's a ship. It's a horse. It's a fire. Now he's added one more analogy. We control it, and it'll be okay. If we don't control it, it won't be okay. John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world... 
the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. Puts it into just three categories, all of sin, and one of them is the boasting of what he has and does. That's unhealthy pride. It doesn't come from the Father. It comes from the world. Again, this is our battle. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. A mouth is more than evidence of spiritual maturity. It can be a means to it. It's a steering mechanism like a horse, like a ship. Now we got one more. You light the lighter. You light the fire. It can, it can either cook a meal or make you warm, or you can burn down a forest. Changing your heart requires constant work. And the verbalization of how that happens Whatever it is that's going on, social media, you know, with your mouth, whatever it is, the verbalization is the first step, is the first part of the direction that you are going. That's why this is that important. James goes on in the next chapter and he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. It's dangerous. He gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. As As we do communion at the end of our service, we do it every week here. Um, and you don't have to be from Parkview. If you're a believer, we welcome you to join us. I mean, at different, different times as we head into communion, I, I kind of like to steer us towards different thoughts. And man, today it can't be anything other than humbling ourselves before God. It can't be anything other than remembering that Jesus ended up with a whole lot of followers and was the most selfless, humble person who ever walked the face of the earth. And he is our example. I don't, I'm just, I'm being honest with you. I don't know how to put all that stuff together in the world that we live today. What I know is that I need to be more humble. And I need to come before God and be more humble every day. Jesus told a parable this way. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, you know, religious guide, followed all the rules, and the other a tax collector who was a thief. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And it, it, it sounds like you know, we can't see Jesus. It sounds like Jesus is having the Pharisee point at this guy. I'm thankful that I'm not like this lowly scumbag. I fast twice a week. I give tenth of all I get to you, and I post it all on Instagram. Thank you very much. This is the end of my prayer, signing out. But the tax collector stood at a distance because he didn't even feel like he deserved it. He didn't deserve it. That's the beauty. None of us do. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, Jesus said, this man, the humble man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all of those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I pray for balance on this thing. I, I got to figure out how to... I need to figure out how to lead and how to let my light shine, but at the same time not to practice my righteousness before men, that they see my good works. It's a confusing place that we live now, Lord. Back in the day, it was just about boasting to a friend. Now it's all out there. And it just feels to me like it, that slippery slope of one step from, from, from being a person who's on a platform to boasting that takes me the next step into a place of pride is so easy. And it's how it all went wrong in the first place with Lucifer, so it's a pretty easy example. It's how it all went south in, a, in the first place with Adam and Eve, our forefathers. It's pretty easy to see that it's the easiest attack that we fall for. I want to pray for myself, the leaders of this church. I want to pray for the leaders of every church everywhere. I want to pray for all the political leaders, all the people with platforms. And I want to pray for everybody who's listening to me right now because everyone has some kind of a platform that you will help us to wake up every day and beat our breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, help me to be like Jesus who considered equality with God nothing to be grasped and took the very nature of a servant. He didn't even stop there. Jesus, you didn't stop there. You took it all the way to death, even death on a cross. And for that, we thank you. Be our example today with my big fat mouth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.